0: you're listening to the national secular society podcast hosted by emma park it's nearly christmas time albeit sadly a rather unusual christmas the old english word for christmas is yule a name which derives according to the oxford english dictionary from the norse yule or something like that a heathen festival lasting 12 days in europe we have been reveling and feasting in the darkest month of the year for millennia It was the Roman Emperor Constantine who, in 336 AD, decided to graft a celebration of Jesus' birthday, or at least his official birthday, onto the Roman celebration of the birthday of Sol Invictus, the unconquered sun. This festival took place on the 25th of December, just after the winter solstice and the mid-winter festival of the Saturnalia. The Saturnalia, like the celebration of Christmas all through the Middle Ages, by many accounts, was a raucous, boozy and debauched affair. By the time we get to the 17th century, Christmas had become so wild, at least in England, that in December 1644, an ordinance was passed by the Puritan-minded parliament that lambasted the sins of our forefathers who have turned this feast, pretending the memory of Christ, into an extreme forgetfulness of him by giving liberty to carnal and sensual delights. In Victorian England, Christmas was redefined again as a family event, thanks not least to the publication of Charles Dickens' heartwarming novella, A Christmas Carol. Fast forward to the 21st century, and you might have thought that Christmas was nothing more than a clever advertising strategy, combined with an opportunity for family arguments, although the culture of letting oneself go at the office party may suggest a return to our ancient roots. Rumours of a so-called war on Christmas have been circulating in America for over 100 years. According to David Carl Johnson, an academic at King's College, Pennsylvania, in the 1920s, the industrialist Henry Ford alleged that the Jews were the ones waging a war on Christmas, while in 1959, the far-right conspiratorial John Birch Society alleged that it was the communists who were trying to take the Christ out of Christmas. More recently, the religious right have regularly made allegations of the war on Christmas in the 21st century. Donald Trump, most recently, claimed to have made Merry Christmas acceptable again under his presidency. In Britain these days, we often take our cue from the US. Trends which start over there from fashions and films to ideologies and even conspiracy theories all have their reverberations on this side of the pond. So has anyone in the UK claimed in recent years that there is a war on Christmas? Do any Christian groups over here feel threatened by the way Christmas is celebrated or not celebrated by the rest of us? To answer these questions, I'm now joined by Alistair Lichton, Head of Education at the NSS. Alistair, hello.
1: Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me again.
0: In December 2017, you wrote a blog post examining the claim by some religious groups and individuals that there was a war on Christmas in the UK. First of all, as far as you're concerned, has there ever been a war on Christmas over here?
1: Well, I've been fascinated by the war on Christmas narrative or myth for a long time. I think even when I was a kid, there was a Beano Christmas special, so going back quite a way... Where the Bash Street kids put on a nativity play because the head teachers were complaining that schools don't do the real meaning of Christmas anymore. I became very interested in this when writing my master's degree thesis on uh, persecution narratives on the US Christian right. I should say this is predominantly an American cultural war um, export, but there are domestic versions of the war on Christmas across the Anglosphere and even beyond. In this country uh, and across Christian majority and formerly uh, Christian majority countries, of course, the only people who've ever tried to ban Christmas have been Puritans and their co-religionists, upset at the more secular aspects. There are parts of the world where this Christmas, Christians and other religious minorities will be dealing with genuine persecution. And of course, this year, many people's Christmases, secular or religious, will be disrupted, often deeply, painfully so, by COVID. But that's not what the war on Christmas myth is really about.
0: If we look at the first two decades of the 21st century, what were the main incidents in the UK in which certain Christian groups alleged that there was a war on Christmas? And what was their response to this alleged war? These are, I think, too
1: numerous and and more importantly, far, far too trivial to go, go into all of them. Uh, but the sorts of things that people in the UK, uh, some people in the UK have got upset about are things like um, Christmas adverts featuring non-traditional families or visibly non-Christian uh, participants, Christmas messages from companies or institutions being too secular or daring to use religious symbols, but not in an approved way. I believe Greg's one year did a sausage roll thing with uh, with Jesus as, as, as the baby in the manger that got some... Certain people very upset. Schools and workplaces are often accused of banning Christmas if they change or alter or even cancel maybe particular seasonal activities. Uh, There's a persistent myth that offices are banning Christmas parties. Um, The Equality and Human Rights Commission even looked into this and and found no evidence. Shops are often criticised for not selling religious enough versions of particular items such as advent calendars or Christmas cards when the reality is that shops are commercial enterprises that respond to demand and very religious advent calendars versus an advent calendar with a Disney cartoon character on it or Marvel or something else popular tend to actually just do better. We have often in sort of moral panics in this country about a supposed lack of religious literacy when actually what what's happening is people are not having such unified religious ideas, and there are often uh, particular Christmas seasonal variants of those types of stories.
0: Are there any particular incidents which you would pick out as sort of illustrating this war on Christmas allegation? I think the most famous example,
1: this actually comes from 1997, so going back quite a bit, but it has had an enduring legacy, is the Winterfell story. Uh, For those of you who who may not be uh, familiar with it, this this is going back quite a way. In 1997, Birmingham City Council had an idea to try and capitalise on the tourism uh, potential of the number of cultural events taking place really from October through to uh, through to January. Uh, of, of these, Christmas was by far the biggest, but they also had Guy Fawkes Night, Diwali, um, Hanukkah, and various other events. And so the City Council put together a brochure called Winterfall, drawing attention to all of the things going on during this time period actually you know quite a quite a good idea if you want to get people coming into the city center and spending money but the Daily Mail and and certain other sources presented this as a loony lefty council banning Christmas and replacing it with politically correct Winterfall. and that myth is continuous so every year you will read on Twitter and even here in Parliament that some local councillors quote banned Christmas and replaced it with Winterfell uh, the Daily Mail repeat this story from time to time, even though they themselves were forced to print a correction, admitting that they'd misrepresented the story. Well,
0: why is the media so interested in, in these sorts of stories, do you think?
1: Well, certain sections of the media are very interested in stories where you know political correctness is, is, is disrupting traditional British ways of doing things. And they look actively for examples of things that can be used to bolster that narrative. The media also are very interested in human interest stories and seasonal human interest stories. And something can be very interesting and be shared around a lot and that can be quite divorced from how true or how accurate the story is. Uh, and th- this is again, uh, the war on Christmas stories are kind of a seasonal variant of stories we see elsewhere throughout the year. Often when an individual makes a complaint about an institution and they're free, they're able to get their story out there, the institution may just not want to engage in the media thing. So you get only one version of story out there. At the NSS, we kind of call these stories um, "fired for praying at work" stories, uh, because the joke being that you know no one actually is ever fired from their job for praying. It just doesn't really happen. But there's often many stories about that, and it's because you you see uh, there's been a press release of one side of the story, and the institution involved just doesn't want to comment on it. And so, in certain sections of the media, these stories uh, continue and are shared. and the situations when they tend to go to if they were to go to an employment tribunal the true story tends to come out but that's much later and there's just less interest in that.
0: Are you at the NSS ever asked to comment on these media stories? Yes and and we we often need to decide
1: how to respond. Sometimes if we do respond to a story that's not really that big an issue it can risk giving it credence. Uh, Often. The media will come to us because they're trying to, you know, gen up a, a controversy, and, and they say, "Oh, uh, are you upset about this?" And so, why would we be upset about this? Because you know, the war on Christmas is is, is quite a, a, an asymmetrical war. It's it, it's only the side that are complaining about, you know, complaining about it that are very a- angry at it. There's not actually any any really side trying to push to uh, to secularise or, or uh, push to make Christmas less. Um, less, uh, quote-unquote, special.
0: In other words, it's not really a war on Christmas. It's a war by Christians on their idea or the on the myth of the war on Christmas rather than um, an actual thing that it really exists. A bit like a war on Father Christmas, perhaps. Yes, uh, and interesting.
1: Uh, research can often show that the, these cultural war issues can be quite asymmetrical so there can be issues where one side are very worked up about it but most other people just don't care. The uh, political scientist Rob, Rob Ford I was interested in reading their research recently on uh, cultural wars in America and Britain and it's the reactionary right tend to want to fight cultural wars and the progressive the more sort of liberal side don't actually like fighting these cultural wars and don't get worked up about them But in the long run, we actually tend to move in the more pluralistic, uh, progressive direction anyway. When you read a a war on Christmas story, these tend to be that they're a very specific genre of fake or exaggerated news. But the media literacy skills needed are very transferable. And I think that schools looking to cover topics such as fake news should really look at this area for great examples.
0: Um, on, on a similar topic, as you pointed out in your blog, um, going back to December 2016, the 10 MPs signed a rather singular early day motion that was tabled by Jim Shannon of the DUP. And, and this motion proposed, um, and I quote, that this House reaffirms the right of every person in this country to use the phrase Happy Christmas and encourages communities to remember and celebrate the real reason for Christmas, which is the birth of Christ, and to take the opportunity to enjoy time with loved ones as we as a nation celebrate together. To me, this seems odd in a number of ways. To state only two of them, firstly, um, because I don't seem to recall that anyone in the UK has ever been prevented from wishing anyone else a happy Christmas. Secondly, because for reasons that I've already mentioned, It's far from clear that, in fact, the birth of Christ is the real reason for our celebration at Christmas, even if it is the reason for the name Christmas. Alistair, in 2016, looking back to this motion, did it seem odd at the time? Well, uh, Jim Shannon, another
1: DUP who elsewhere has gone on record criticising virtue signalling, introduces early day motions around Christmas every year. To be fair, many MPs introduce early day emotions around Christmas or or other cultural events, uh, recognizing and recognizing their their importance to many people is perfectly routine. But these Mm -hmm. particular motions, to varying degrees, seek to claim Christian exclusivity over Christmas. They talk about that we should affirm the real reason for Christmas, and that is coming from a position of privilege because your reason for christmas and someone else's don't need to be the same and this is reflecting that there is a cultural anxiety among some christians that what they perceive as the correct right way of doing lots of things including recognizing christmas is no longer the dominant or or singular cultural approach to that issue and they feel quite anxious about that so they want to reaffirm that we should be celebrating the real or their real reason for the season.
0: Alistair, you mentioned briefly um, schools. Now, there have been a few examples of the war on Christmas myth reaching schools. Um, In your experience, to what extent has this been an issue in schools?
1: A lot of these cultural war issues, even if they are, you know, one-sided cultural wars, often play out in schools. A lot of our work throughout the year involves supporting parents, teachers, and pupils who are dealing with inappropriate religious imposition in schools. Uh, Things like collective worship or evangelism schools all have seasonal variations and uh, kind of a Christmas theme often around this time of year. So every year we get contacted by parents and people in schools concerned about the Evangelical Operation Christmas Child or Samaritan's Purse initiative. Uh, though, of course, less and less schools are participating in this. Uh, we discussed this way back in episode 16 of the podcast. and it, I think it might be easier just to a link to Matt in the show notes rather than going into detail. Inappropriate evangelism in schools and RE being misused to promote particular religious views uh, can have unique Christmas versions. A lot of issues we see in schools come down to this. Some Christians seek to use the popularity of the cultural and secular aspects of Christmas to promote the religious aspects to which which to them are very important. And that's totally understandable and fine in society. But people who want to promote religion in schools can also try to take advantage of this in an inappropriate way. So using pupils' enthusiasm for the inclusive cultural and secular aspects of, of the holiday to promote the religious aspects in a way that can be very alienating. And conversely, when schools try and lean into those secular aspects, for example, instead of a traditional nativity play, having a concert of more secular, inclusive Christmas songs, they can find themselves accused of banning
0: Christmas suddenly. In December 2018, the BBC reported that Lady Lumley School in Pickering, North Yorkshire, had threatened to ban celebrations of Christmas because, and again I quote, Christmas is a day celebrating the birth of Jesus and should be a time of goodwill to all, yet it can be a very stressful, expensive, argumentative, and lonely time. Well, I'm sure certainly no one would argue with that, Um, but the school then told pupils that they had to write to their RE teacher to consider the true meaning of Christmas and persuade her to change her mind. Some parents were annoyed, but others supported this move as a way of compelling pupils to reflect on the real meaning of Christmas. But Alistair, what's your view about this? Do you think it could be productive? Do we all need to think a bit more about what Christmas really means?
1: It's an interesting story, and it looks like a savvy teacher has exploited the media's hunger for these type of war on Christmas stories to get publicity and to start a conversation. And on the one hand, I'm quite tempted to say well done them for bringing a lesson alive in that way. I'm sure this will filter through the myth-making machine Uh, And some people actually believe that Christmas was banned at a particular school. Uh, That's often how urban legends start. It's interesting that uh, we've seen in other areas that fake news can sometimes be driven by satirical news stories. I think there's an unfortunate obnoxiousness there as well and the unwarranted assumption that there is a quote, real meaning of Christmas and that the purpose of RE is to teach that real meaning Rather than to
0: explore the different meanings that people may or may not apply. Just playing devil's advocate for one minute. I mean, although it's true that there there are other parallels to Christmas and Christmas was sort of grafted onto a, a previous Roman festival. I mean, Christmas has been Christian for a long time, and you know it may be difficult to disagree with certain aspects of the Christmas message, such as goodwill, peace, that sort of thing.
1: Of course, Christmas has. Many different meanings to different people, and this is part of what we've been discussing: of some people's discomfort at the meaning that they assign to it, which can be very, very important and and deeply felt. That other people feel very differently. Many people assign a very important religious uh, reason to uh, to Christmas. There's the real reason for Christmas is is this very clear religious aspect to all this culturally a christian aspect and for other people it's a purely secular cultural holiday the important thing i think is as a society we need to come to terms with other people having different meanings and values but we can still as a society come together over shared values we can still allow space for different people to express that in different ways
0: and we can still think that peace and goodwill to all men is, is quite a nice idea yeah Now, uh, that was 2018. As far as I'm aware, in the UK at any rate, there hasn't been so much discussion of this alleged war on Christmas since then, so in the last couple of years. And this year, the Royal Mail's Christmas stamps feature, according to its website, nativity scenes depicted in the stained glass windows of Anglican churches across the country. This is hardly a sign, surely, that the Christ is being taken out of Christmas. Um, Does this suggest that the whole idea of a war on Christmas in the UK anyway, has simply died? I think it's important to
1: recognise that this particular myth will wax and wane in popularity, sometimes driven by specific examples that attract more attention and sometimes driven by background cultural issues. On the issue of stamps, for years the Royal Mail have had a semi-official policy of alternating between secular and religious designs in their Christmas cards. So what that means is one year, some religious groups get upset at the secularization of Christmas stamps and demand that the, that the Royal Mail make them more religious next year, which they were already planning and doing. And then the next year, these groups typically get upset that religious stamps don't tend to sell as well as the secular ones. Interestingly, the Royal Mail have now decided to go with more religiously themed stamps for two years in a row. And there is a big suggestion that this is a result of one-sided lobbying on the issue. Of course, you have to feel a little sorry for whoever is in the press department of the Royal Mail. And every two years they have to deal with a barrage of complaints and questions about why they are trying to secularise Christmas. But it does go show that some groups really care about these things and are actively looking for a cultural war. Um, A little aside on stamps, uh, a little Easter egg, if you will, the the audience may be interested in a story from Australia where the satanic temple, uh, perhaps tongue-in-cheek, is claiming religious persecution after their Christmas stamp design was rejected.
0: Just going back to my first question again, do you think that aside from a few Christian minorities, the public and the media in general have lost interest in the war on Christmas in the last couple of years in particular and if so is that because of the specific political circumstances we've seen in 2019 and 2020?
1: I think that could well be part of it uh, and a very important part. The sort of fake news, very shareable fake news stories which make up the war on Christmas myth, the people who maybe previous years were sharing those fake news stories may simply be sharing uh, fake news stories on different topics. The people very, getting very upset about this stuff uh, may just be getting more upset about it online and it just not breaking into the media. But I believe the most important factor is external events. So you know, prime time for the War on Questions Myth is late November to early December. Uh, that's when there's typically a low in serious news. But last year we had a general election in December. So there wasn't that news low. And then this year... I mean, the COVID crisis and its impact on all of our lives is filling any potential news vacuum with both serious and with human interest news stories. Also, many workplaces will not be having Christmas parties this year for a very practical, sensible reason of COVID. Uh, Many schools may be cancelling Christmas activities for, again, the the practical, sensible reasons. And it's harder to spin those into uh, a conspiracy theory about Christmas being banned.
0: What about in the U.S.? Are certain Christians still fighting the good fight against the war on Christmas?
1: I think this will always be a predominantly American cultural obsession. and Well, you know, our cousins across the pond are, are more than welcome to it. I don't think anyone ever went broke selling persecution fantasies to American Christians. Uh, listeners are, are welcome to search for war on Christmas on Twitter for approximately 10 million <laughs> examples.
0: To people, to people who um, don't see it from, from the very Christian perspective, these, these allegations might seem trivial or unfounded. But is there a deeper reason why some Christians, individuals or groups, might want to keep hopping on this particular myth?
1: It's important to recognise that, that the war on Christmas narrative almost—it's almost not about Christmas. Christmas is almost the wrapping, if you will. The narrative it's reflective of some Christians' uneasiness at losing their dominant cultural position. And if we look at those Christians who, to some extent or another, buy into this myth, and those who don't really pay much attention to it or think it's a bit silly, we see a division between those Christians who are comfortable in an increasingly secular and diverse society and those who aren't. And that's a big divide among many religious groups. Um, We see cultural anxieties such as this play out in other minority religious groups, Uh, the difference being that they don't have, at least within the the wider society, they might within their group that uh, history of cultural dominance. Uh, So it may be anxieties about assimilation. So some Hindu groups may be concerned at Diwali becoming more of a cultural rather than religious um, event in the UK, while others would see this as a successful example of integration. There can be anxiety of a loss of dominance that's felt by some reactionary adherents uh, in the face of what they perceive as liberalisation. I'm not really aware of anything directly analogous to the war on Christmas myth in other religions, but if anyone in the audience has examples, I'll be fascinated to hear them.
0: What do you think is the best way for secularists and for you know mainstream Christians themselves who are not interested in in this myth to respond to such stories?
1: To an extent, there is a legitimate question of whether we need to address it. Uh, We could simply see it as a bizarre seasonal tradition whose cultural relevance uh, might well uh, wax or wane. Uh, There are people out there desperately looking for the smallest thing they can use to spin into the war on Christmas narrative. And we don't need to be mirroring that by looking for every example of that to expose it. But the dark underside and the way that this persecution fantasy is used to advance claims of religious privilege is something that we should address. And I think the war on Christmas and addressing that can be quite a useful way. I've I've already used the example of it can be a a way to address uh, fake news claims uh, by exploring it in schools. I think there are a couple of different ways that we can challenge this myth. The first approach, which, which I see a lot on, online, is humour. Um, you can point out the absurdity of these claims and satirise them. The second approach would be akin to something that, that I think the psychologist Philippa Perry has called fact tennis. When you relentlessly address the facts, of the claims, you drill into the evidence uh, and you point out step by step uh, the reality behind these stories. But both approaches can work in some ways, but be very ineffective in others. So humour is, is obviously a very powerful tool. But if we understand that the war on Christmas myth is about Christian anxieties, uh, some Christians' anxieties about losing their dominant culture position, then we can see that maybe being the butt of the joke isn't the best way to reach those people. And similarly, logic and facts, when divorced from empathy and understanding, are not very effective at changing people's minds. So if you engage in this fact tennis of batting back every example with the facts about that, that can actually just harden people's positions. But because people have bought into this idea of the war on Christmas on an emotional level, even if you successfully demonstrate that one example isn't true, they might just feel, like, oh, there's got to be something there, and maybe all the examples I've got, if I look into them in detail, you know, some of them don't really add up. But I'm sure it, there's got to be something real there. I think shifting the narrative is important and getting people to think critically. So rather than simply going in with facts or simply going in and making fun out of someone, you know, if you see someone sharing this w- war on Christmas myth, uh, you know, just ask questions. Say, so, you know, have you ever personally seen? someone be told off for saying Merry Christmas. Uh, oh, you you, see, you seem offended that this company has decided to do a very secular Christmas ad. What, why do you think they made that advertising choice? Why do you think the newspaper chose to frame that story in that way, et cetera, et cetera? And that plays into the media literacy I was talking about earlier.
0: Is it possible simply to to ignore those who suggest there is a war on Christmas on the grounds that they're a very small minority and ultimately most people just don't care?
1: Yes. And we can see Christmas as actually a great secular success story, and that narrative could be an advantage. Was you know, why buy into a bitter, divisive narrative? Um, doesn't that really go against the spirit of Christmas?
0: Talking of the the spirit of Christmas in in a non narrowly Christian sense, of course, these days in the UK and in many other Western societies, the winter holiday se- season, as we've already discussed, features numerous different festivals celebrated by people who uh, come from different cultural religious backgrounds. You know, we've got Hanukkah, we've got Diwali, and sometimes, depending on the year, we've got Eid al-Fitr or Eid al-Adha. Given this huge diversity in our society today, uh, is there an advantage maybe to just generally wishing people happy holidays or season's greetings um, on the basis that these wishes are more inclusive? Or is it still okay to say Merry Christmas? I think
1: um, well, either happy holidays or seasons greetings might strike some British ears as as artificial or or Americanisms. Uh, I think that the vast majority of Britons, of, of any faith or none, actually do a pretty fine job of muddling through these cultural issues. Our nation's decreasing religiosity and increasing diversity is a massive cultural change, and That change can cause anxieties in some people. That change can lead, in in some cases, to very nasty manifestations. But equally, that change is just absorbed by people in their lives. And if we can break down these artificial barriers and ignore those who want to enforce them... Then you can wish your friends, um, you know, Happy Hanukkah, Eid Mubarak, Diwali wishes, or Merry Christmas, and no one's really going to mind.
0: Or, or all of the above. Exactly. Alistair Lichton, thank you very much. And looking forward to December, from me and everyone at the National Secular Society, Merry Christmas, Glad Yule, and Io Saturnalia, and warmest wishes for 2021. This episode was produced by the National Secular Society, all rights reserved. The views expressed by contributors do not necessarily represent those of the NSS. You can access the show notes and subscriber information for this and all our episodes at secularism.org.uk forward slash podcast. For feedback, comments and suggestions, please email podcast at secularism.org.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a positive review wherever you can. Thanks for listening and I hope you can join us next time.